trees forming the head around a central green. Her house was at twelve o'clock on the green. To continue with the banjo simile, overhead BT and power cables formed some random strings, though there was nothing musical about them. Where the instrument's tailpiece would have been, however, was a quaint iron footbridge nestling amongst trees and crossing the stream that ran its tuneful way through Jules's back garden. She caught Andy Lawrence casting a subtle look around the room and wondered what she might be making of this modest new abode with its shiny black and white kitchen, natural pine dining table for six, and faux marble fireplace with gas fire and lava logs. It was a fraction of the size of Jules's previous home, had none of the period features, and could boast nothing more than a postage stamp of a garden. However, Jules was comfortable here. It was an easy home to take care of, Bits didn't randomly fall off the ceiling the way they had in the previous place. Pipes didn't burst. Jackdaw nests didn't clog up the chimneys, and there was no whimsical ghost floating about in the wee small hours. How she missed that ghost. And sometimes wondered if the ghost missed her too. Mischievous little minx that she'd been. She had other people to tease now, although Jules didn't think she bothered. Had she ever told Andy about the ghost? She doubted it. They'd had other things to talk about at the time. Can I get you some tea? She offered, going to the kettle. I have all sorts. How about peppermint? Andy suggested, unfastening the smart cream leather jacket that had clearly cost her quite a bit and draping it over the back of a dining chair. Jules owned classy expensive clothes too, but she hardly ever wore them now. She had no place to go that called for them, Not that she'd let herself go, she really didn't want to do that, though there were times when she felt so drained, so lacking in purpose, even life, that it surely could only have been habit that drove her to make herself up in the morning and do the necessary to keep the grey from her hair. Despite what she felt, others would describe her as an attractive woman. Tall, a little too slim, with the kind of boyish frame that meant clothes usually looked good on her. Her fine straight hair was raven dark and sometimes fell loosely around her shoulders or was scrunched up in a knot at the back of her head. Not so long ago, she'd had the liveliest brown eyes with spiky dark lashes and such a readiness for compassion or humour that she almost always seemed to be empathising or laughing or simply taking an interest in whatever was happening in that moment. Her eyes were different now. The same colour, just a sadder, more cautious version of what they used to be. As for her age, since she'd been blessed with the kind of complexion that made her seem much younger than her years, she still looked under forty, in spite of all she'd been through. Once, her spirit, her joie de vivre, had seemed as inextinguishable as a joke candle, an inner flame that just wouldn't stop burning. Until one day, it did. You're looking well, Andy commented, perching on a bar stool. Thank you. Jules replied, in her faint but unmistakable West Country burr. Out of interest, how did you find me? I went to the pub. Of course, it would have been the easiest way. Are you still with the police? You didn't use your rank just now. I quit, about a year ago. The answer surprised Jules, although she wasn't quite sure why. I never really felt cut out for it. Andy admitted. I mean, I always took it seriously and gave it my best, but I... 
Well, let's just say I reached a point where I felt I needed a change. You mean you needed to get away from the ugly side of life? Andy didn't deny it. Why would she when, in Jules's opinion, no one in their right minds would want to spend their days confronting the hatred, violence, and evil which seemed so large a part of today's world? Not that this town had an especially high crime rate. In fact, it was one of the reasons people moved here, to get away from unwholesome inner cities. Although it had to be said that Castellon-Sea could boast some terrible stories of its own. Now Jules came to think of it, the last time she'd heard news of Andy was about a year ago when a teenage girl had gone missing from a caravan park over at Paradise Cove. Detective Sergeant Andy Lawrence had led the search, so she had been promoted since the time Jules had known her, and apparently she had moved to Casterly. Though the missing girl had been found, the circumstances would have been...